Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey girl, hey, I'm Julie Bender. How are you doing today, Julie? Well, I just yawned through the end of your pre-recording prayer, so tired a little bit, but fine. I don't know why you're tired. You are just a mother of two, a nine-year-old exuberant boy, a baby, and a husband to a man who's building business, and you're pursuing Julie Bender business as well, and recording with me, and doing all of the above. I I don't know. Do you sleep? Uh, not enough, I think. Maybe it's the problem. Yep. Okay. I love can we, it. Can we wrap this up so I can go take a nap? <laughs> <laughs> Only when Rev sleeps. Just okay. kidding. But I am excited to talk about what we're here to talk about today. It's on. It's the thing that's really ultimately on everybody's mind on some level. And also probably making us all a little tired. <laughs> exhausted. Emotionally exhausted. Because we are in a culturally shifting world. Things are constantly changing. And honestly, I feel like... I'm more counterculture than I used to be because the culture has shifted so far. For sure. And the truth is, is actually everything changes all the time. So before we go fully countercultural, let's discuss some of the things that have literally been changing over time. Did you know, this is maddening actually, did you know that a hundred years ago, heroin was prescribed by doctors? Today we get Tylenol, but heroin are tragic. It probably made him feel good for a moment. (laughs) It's the knowledge they had at that time. I'll give them that, but not a great plan. All right. How about this one? Our cars used to start by a crank in the engine. Now it's a button. It is literally a button. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Such a massive shift. I mean, let's see. Corsets to girdles to spanks. I mean, that one hasn't really changed much. <laughs> no, we're still trying Just to have hold a hundred brands. <laughs> sure, <laughs> suck it in. Sad, isn't it? You know, dating did used to require adult supervision, and mm-hmm. it was usually your parents. Mm-hmm. Now we don't require that, but maybe it would be a good idea to bring that one back. Yeah, if you're struggling with what we call a bad picker, maybe you need to bring your parents on the next day. Yikes. (laughs) Well, a dapper gentleman used to pump your gas at the gas station, and they used to actually call it the filling station. And it was only 27 cents a gallon. Goodness gracious. Well, Oregon and New Jersey are the only states where drivers still aren't allowed to pump their own gas. So does that make you want to drive to Oregon or New Jersey just to experience the hey, this is what it feels like to have my gas port I mean, pumped maybe. for me. One less thing we have to do. That'd be nice. <laughs> From an outhouse to indoor plumbing. Now we seem to require two bathrooms and one of which the master has to have two sinks. How Minimum. much do we need to wash? I know. I mean, we just, our needs, our needs have really changed over the years. Last but not least, and really a bizarre thought, cigarettes were once marketed as a cure for asthma. I mean, that is just mind boggling. You know, I saw a packet of cigarettes of that era and there was a doctor with a lab coat on the front of the cigarettes and says, good for your health. Yikes. 
Kind of scary. I mean, I guess that's how we got where we are. Yep. Well, anyway, enough about that. Like we said, we have found ourselves in a shifting world, whether that's our values, ideals, rights, wrongs, even the definition of what constitutes compassion and understanding has been literally redirected. It's like every single week there's a new word or thought or a agenda, dare I say, that we're required to learn about and fully embrace. Well, and we have found that values that were once part of our culture have actually become counterculture. And amid these redefinitions, standing for the truth of our faith while showing grace and compassion seem to have become an almost impossible mm-hmm. combination. But we don't think it has to be. Yeah, that that phrase of it feels like an impossible conversation of being full of both grace and truth. And I think that many of us feel or have felt that tension. And I guess first we just want to acknowledge that we have felt that too. And so we want to try to bring a conversation about what that could really look like finding that balance within ourselves, you know, having that confidence of what we believe and and how we think we're best to live it out. I think that's ultimately kind of what we want to talk about here today in a place that's balanced and thoughtful and gracious, but also confident and standing for something. Yeah, because we, I do, I feel like I'm in a landmine. Wherever I step, somebody's going to blow up or something's Mm going to blow up. But a starting place has to be recognizing some of the shifts of the culture. And as we just talked about, a lot of things have changed and sometimes for the better. No heroin, Tylenol. (laughs) But... Some of the shifting culture things are marriage, then sex was the 1950s, then it changed in the 60s, then we went to the purity ring of the 90s to casual sex today. The whole process has kind of swung back and forth and ultimately broken down the family. For sure. I mean, I mean, I I think we have to be able to see that 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 transition over time has ultimately led to devaluing the sacredness that we believe the Bible teaches sex has to the point where people don't form families. And if they do, they don't stay in families. And so uh, being able to kind of see from the history where that has gone and call it like it is, and then be willing to be the ones that say marriage and the marriage bed literally are something to be protected and honored and valued at a much higher level than we see the culture doing anymore. And we did say in a previous episode that sex is an emotional act. It's not simply a physical act that it's been reduced to. It is an emotional act. And in that, you are giving yourself emotionally to someone else. So like Julie said, we believe you should protect that. Biology used to kind of be simple. Hmm. I know when I went to school about 4,000 years ago, (laughs) you know, there were chromosomes and there was you know all of that that determined our sex biologically we would be embarrassed in whatever grade that we saw all of the pictures that we were supposed to see in sex ed (laughs) to define what the genders were and that has been confused Mm. at this point in time for sure now genders and sexual preferences have all kinds of names I, i i I'm super confident that I don't know all of the terms that are being used and taught and talked about in today's culture. I feel like there's a new one all the time and I'm definitely not aware of all of them because like you said, the simplicity was a thing of safety and it it was what it was. And now it's like, we're continuing to just 
divide and divide and divide and make smaller segments that it's impossible to keep up anymore. It is. And I want to respect everyone. Hmm. I want to respect each individual person. But truly, I'm kind of exhausted right now. Hmm. You know, the last I heard were lesbians are now non-men attracted to non-men. Well, I saw a couple of lesbians saying, no, we're not that, Mm -hmm. you know, so even they are pushing back on some of the terms. And I don't, I think part of this is simply doing nothing but dividing us. Mm -hmm. Well, and we talk so much about, you know, we want to remove labels, but in this, we're just adding a whole bunch of new labels. It's, it's literally like, talking out of both sides of our mouth. (laughs) I don't understand. Do we want to be labeled or we don't want to be labeled because we've added dozens more in. It's kind of confusing. Well, and I think some of these labels that have been inserted in some of this gender, what I would consider gender confusion, some of this that has happened has actually marginalized our gender Hmm, greatly. The, The female gender is no longer pure. And when you say you're a strong female, it can be defined so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think we fought so hard not to be marginalized, Mm -hmm. to be seen for who we were, and to be recognized for the abilities that we had. Now we find ourselves in an arena where we're no longer simply female. Mm -hmm. We're various versions of that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it shouldn't be that way. Can we be so bold as to say that? I know you recently wrote an article over at Grit and Grace Life that we should link here where you graciously and yet emphatically talk about this issue. And so we'll link to that in the show notes. And and we want to be a place where we can say there's nothing wrong with saying there's male and female. And like you said, respecting those who maybe are working through this issue for themselves, um, but still standing for the truth of what creation truly is. Then in the subject of equality, we find that a lot has changed for the better, but not all perfectly. I mean, I'm a, I am my age, so I have gone through a lot of these experiences in these seasons and the 60s of the civil rights movement, the desegregation of schools, the gradual acceptance of interracial relationships. I know when I was a teenager, you didn't do that. Yeah. You simply did not cross racial boundaries when it came to relationships and dating, which, you know, full disclosure, I think that's a bunch of nonsense, mm-hmm. and I do not never have believed that, and we finally have accepted more of that, but we have not perfected it because we are divisive humans. We like to create different platforms of importance or acceptance or whatever it is our emotions get involved in. But we have come a long way, but we want to embrace equality in its truest form. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we want to just go ahead and say almost up front that this episode is certainly not about who's at fault and, you know, we're fighting back, but it's instead, you know, kind of calling us to that, who we want to ultimately be and how we want to love in what we're saying is a sometimes emotionally exhausting, ever-changing world. I mean, we're not here to assert our rightness, but instead to uh, give you language and confidence in the tension you might be feeling for standing for what's right while still loving others who maybe see things differently. 
Well, and in an era that it's spoken of, that it is your truth, whatever mm. your truth is. So true. We, we really don't hold to that because we believe there is one source of truth. But I don't ever want to not respect people for what they believe, mm. for whatever reason they've taken their position. And I think the, the word that I really want to emphasize is respect. Mm. Treat them as you would anyone else with the respect that they should be awarded with because they are, were also created by God For sure. the same place in life that we are. Yeah, that, that whole your truth, I feel like I saw it on some reality TV junk I was watching the other day. And, and as it was said, it was like, I felt like an internal pang of like, ah, this is what's wrong, is that we have gotten away from the fact that there is one inherent truth and then there's like this fighting and division of, well, if you don't believe the same truth, then you're, you know, you're hateful toward others. And you're right. The answer there is respect, respecting others who may not believe the truth that we believe that comes from scripture, but being able to believe because of scripture that all people have inherent worth and value and are worthy of dignity, respect, and kindness. You know, we sit back and start at least I do some days, going, I can't believe you're saying that. I can't believe you believe that. Why, why, why? And then I realize the why comes back to us, believers, people Wait, who are, huh? <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, tell, me, tell me how and why. Somebody's um, thinking that. <laughs> what do you mean it's our fault? It is our fault because when we are true to the gospel that we say we claim and that has redeemed us and changed our lives when we're true to it, then we affect our world. Mm. But unfortunately, the American church in many ways has not done that. And I'm talking over time. Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking last year, two yeah. years ago. I am not condemning the church because church is flawed. We're all flawed. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. But what we did, and I kind of lived through a lot of it, is church got comfortable. Church got to be the place you went to. It almost became a club. It became the, if you're going to meet people in your community, you go to church. It was no longer in many buildings a place where your faith was to be actively lived out and your life was to be shown in, in real time in a place where you were surrendering to God. Yeah, it was almost like it became like the club that you were you know, uh, proud to be a part of, but it wasn't focused outward like the Bible actually teaches. And I think that was interrupted for a brief time with the Jesus movement where a lot of churches allowed, you know, barefoot hippies in the door. But then it's almost like the door closed again after that, because it felt like in that era, which to me is where the gospel is the strongest is it didn't matter what you look like. It didn't matter what you thought. It didn't matter what you wore. You were welcome in this building. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden we had to clean up again. Mm -hmm. And we had to look like we had it together, that we had the answers, that we played the part. And playing the part is not the true gospel. Yeah. Living the life is. And when we surrender living the life, then we lose the effectiveness in the world we live in. Yeah, I mean when we go back to what the Bible actually teaches that we could not do it on our own. We could never be good enough. We couldn't clean up enough for God. He had to do the work. And when we really truly believe that that is the way we pursue 
interactions with other people, both inside and outside of the church. And I know that I get that wrong in my own life. Sometimes I start focusing on looking the part and, you know, focusing on how I'm, how I'm representing God instead of recognizing that I am helpless without him to change me. And that that kind of humility is what could draw somebody who doesn't have uh, the tethering of the truth. That is what ultimately holds me together. If I'm so high and mighty on my own, I'm not attractive to somebody who might be faltering and struggling because they don't have that deep inner knowing of who they are and whose they are. It's true. And at that point, if we're not the ones that are reaching out and embracing those who are confused and hurt and damaged by whatever life has thrown them, then Satan steps in. He is the liar of liars of liars. And they're looking for something. And if we're not there to be that, they're going to find something. They're going to believe some things that aren't true because they need hope. They need belonging. They need, all of us do, need to belong somewhere in this world. So if you don't find it in the family of faith, you're going to find it somewhere else. The Bible teaches that Satan is the father of lies. The more we embrace that brokenness, that misunderstanding of who the good loving God is and believing the lies of the enemy, that's how we continue to get further and further off course. So what do we do? Yes, Dar, please tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, is, it is actually a really difficult mm-hmm. question because as we started this, we want to make sure that we are always surrounding everything with grace with mercy, truth with love. That matters to us enormously because we know we need it as well. But in that, we need truth. So we need to establish what we stand for and why we stand for it. We need to show compassion and we need to show truth. It needs to be demonstrated in how we act. Yeah. So like we should be like yelling and fighting with people who are living by standards that we believe are not biblical? Well, we seem to be masterful at that, do we not? (laughs) No, that's not the answer. But it seems to be our first instinct and our first impulse. And I understand... It's reactive. It's reactive. It's out of fear. We fear for our world. We fear for our friends. We fear for our family. We react out of fear. Mm. But that doesn't work. Yelling and arguing doesn't work we said at the beginning, we wanted to make this personal. I feel like I can see that in my own life and my own relationships that when I react out of fear, whether it's an interaction with my child, my husband, or someone who's living a life that is different from me, it breaks down the relationship. Whatever that relationship is, the defensiveness, the judgment, um, the I'm right, you're wrong, it erodes your relationship and it can quickly erode a lot of growth. Um, I feel like recently Lincoln and I had to have a conversation about some of these things that are becoming so culturally uh, normal. And I was really struggling with how do I answer the questions that he's starting to have? He's nine now and he's understanding more and he's witnessing more. And he asked me a question, um, that I'm like, okay, I don't think I can put baby terms on this anymore. I have to really engage this conversation and just in very clearly trying to say, we have to show love even when people choose to do things 
that we don't believe are God's way. They are not the best way. But when someone doesn't love God and per, and desire to live their life God's way, we can't expect them to. Because even us who know and love Jesus, we fail to do things God's way. And so we're responsible for showing love as an extension of how we have been loved by Jesus. And you could see his little blinks like, uh, okay, mommy, I think I see how that makes sense. Like, okay, that is wrong, but I can see that we're still supposed to show love. And, and I think it's little moments like that, but then actively living that out experience by experience, relationship by relationship. And I think we always have to go back to our faith is not based on rules. It's not based on A or B. Mm -hmm. It is based on mercy and grace. And truth, Mm -hmm. rules don't constitute truth. Mm -hmm. And truth, couched in mercy and grace, is the only thing we can find hope in. And biblically and in reality, truth exists for a reason. The Bible says that God told us what was good and what was not good for our safety. Mm-hmm. You know, he created all things and then he gave us boundaries. And that was the first example of God's immense love for us, that he gave us everything we needed. And then he clearly said what was out there that wasn't good for us. And as a loving dad said, Hey, here's all the amazing things that I'll give you, but stay away from these things. And our flesh, we said, Oh, those things stay away from those things. That's the first (laughs) thing I'm going to. And we're still doing that today. And so I think there has to be a tiny measure of seeing ourselves in the lostness that we are grieving around us, seeing ourselves in that. I think too many of us are caught up in the measuring of sin, which the Bible teaches us that sin is all equal, right? And so because we're not struggling with some of those things out there that we wish would just go away, we're somehow better. And we're not actually better. We just happen to know the truth and know the one who can help us to walk in that truth. And so standing for those things as actual truth and seeking to give grace when we all fail, but still saying, but that's where the boundary is. That's where God put the boundary, and I want to abide by it because he's God and I am not. And I think, too, Julie, that as you just said, there's not levels of sin. Hmm. There's not a, well, you simply lied, or you did murder. You know, let's take our pick. There aren't levels of sin. All of us sin. So to step back and go, but your sin's worse than mine is, is never true. Yeah. It is never true. So in this culture where, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, I love exciting amusement rides. I really do. I love to have my head spinning. So, you know, I feel like right now, though, in life, I'm on a cultural tilt-a-whirl where mm-hmm. I'm spinning and spinning, and it feels kind of normal, and I don't really know what to do about it, but it's kind of <laughs> fun, but it's kind of not. And then I get off, and I realize I'm dizzy from all of the input that has hit me, every everything that is coming my way, and I have to clear my head. Yeah, I have to find a starting place so I can move forward in this culture with the truths that I believe in my faith. Okay, so I think that we would all agree. We felt that spinning sensation, and what you said is right. We have to kind of right ourselves again. Okay, if I if I take my eyes off the prize. Um, then I get, I get confused again. But instead, if I'm going to center and settle myself 
and and anchor myself. I think that's what we all are looking for. Kind of ooh, give me some give me some confidence on where to stand. What are some things that we really need to be able to stand on while showing compassion and grace to others who aren't standing in that same place? I think what we touched on earlier, equality is probably one of the most important because we are on a level playing field. And I, what is weird to me right now as we're struggling with the racial equality is there's almost a, an inequality of categories. Hmm. So this human has put this name on what they are. This human has put this name on what they are. This group over here has a different term for their lifestyle. And they're dividing. And it's like, who's better? Somebody's superior and right, and somebody's inferior and wrong. That's another form of inequality Hmm. in humans. These are not positions of division should not be their positions of lifestyle and choices, but that does not mean one needs to be more accepted than another and suddenly change our culture. Hmm. Yep. It's true. I think another thing we want to stand for is the family institution. I mean, there have been countless studies that have proven that children who grow up to be successful in all of the ways emotionally, financially, you know, relationally come from a connected, secure home with parents, parents who love them and who seek to love one another. And so agreeing that that institution should be respected and protected. We recognize too, it's not always going to be there. Yeah. There are a lot of women who are single moms, and they are doing an incredible job. There are single dads out there doing an incredible job. There are blended families. There, there's a combination, but what we're saying is you always have a goal in life. You always have what you want, the best plan, the best place to be in life, and we're saying the family is the best plan. Every other plan, God can graciously make strong, For sure. but... It is the best plan and we should try to achieve it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe unpacking that, but also recognizing that it's a separate conversation itself is standing for the protection of children in all of the ways, in all of the ways, um, their life, their innocence, their physical, emotional, spiritual health. Children need adults to stand up for them and to protect them. And that is our responsibility. And let them be children. Mm. You know, the fact that we, in so many ways, are thrust adulthood, adult decisions, adult actions on little girls and boys. Information they don't need to have. Let them be kids. And if you're the one raising them, uh, you gotta, you got to be on guard. You've got to watch what goes in their hearts and minds. And like Julie did with Lincoln, you've got to be willing to have conversations because all of the information is, all all a child has to do is walk through the living room when the TV's on and they are going to see something or hear something or at school from their peers, just, you know, the internet, social media, you know, the, the list is long 
And don't be afraid to protect them. Yeah. Don't be afraid to be that parent who stands up and goes, nope, you're not messing with my kid. Yeah. You're not messing with my kid. Don't even go there. Do it kindly, but your first job is to protect your child and then any other child that needs it as well. For sure. I think another stand we want to encourage us to make is to define genders as God did, male and female. That's, and it's beautiful. It. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. You know, the, there have been books written, what, the Venus and Mars books and all of that. The truth is there are genders, and it's not just the the sexuality or the sex of the, the child that's born, but it is the nature as well. We celebrate that. Yeah. We absolutely celebrate it. And we, you know, we think it's the best way to live. And I think the last one is to treasure and honor life. And that's a charged statement, right? But we mean all life, literally from the unborn to the age, the frail, the able-bodied, the the mentally or physically disabled on any level, all life deserves to be valued and treasured equally. I think that when we say that, we have to also recognize or ask ourselves, do we treasure, I mean treasure, the lives of those we disagree with? Do we want to dismiss them? Do we want to move them out of our world and our family and our community, or do we look at them the way God does and says, I equally treasure that person the way I treasure you. So you should as well. I guess what we're saying here is we want to be individually and collectively the women that are even and measured and grace filled to be a community that represents those things, even and measured and grace filled recognizing that we are no different in our need for grace, compassion, love, and respect, that we're willing to give that as well. And are we willing to talk? Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to sit down with someone who we are incredibly uncomfortable with because of some of their life choices? And can we look at them and say, I want to know your heart. I want to know your hurt. I want to know your hopes. I want to know your dreams. I want to know you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know a label. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know, you know, a a pronoun or a definition of where you come from or your culture or your race or your I don't want to know any of that. I want to know you. Mm-hmm. I want to get to know this person you are. Can we do that? I I think we should. I think it's ultimately a choice to embrace the messy because we are messy. We're all messy, but loving, loving the lost because the truth is, is we've been there and it's exactly how Jesus met us and then called us to love the way that he has loved us in the mess, in the junk, in the sin, not measuring one against the other, but also really standing on and confidently projecting the truth as it is. And Jesus never said, clean your act up, change your ways, dress different, be different before you come and talk to me. He never asked us to be something we're not to approach him. And we as people of faith should be the same way. We shouldn't ask someone to look like us, act like us, and think like us before we actually want to build a relationship with them. 
Jesus didn't, we shouldn't either. I guess at the end of the day, we all want to offer the hope that we found while embracing God's truth and showing grace. That's true, Julia. And we usually end with a Bible verse, but it was actually Ashley Johnson, our managing editor, that sent this to me the other day. And I did not realize there was a part of the serenity prayer that no one really quotes. And it's an amazing one, and I think it's really appropriate for this. This portion of the serenity prayer by Niebuhr, I think, is perfectly suited for today's episode. Living one day at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is. Not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this world and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Yeah, that is so beautiful. I hate that that part has been left out. Um, Can I ask, can we put that in the show notes? Because I know I'm going to want to revisit it. Guys, thanks for journeying with us through this conversation. I definitely want to encourage you to check out the show notes. We'll put some of our articles that unpacked these conversations a little more fully. And we we just commit with you to choosing to live a life of respect, grit, and grace as we attempt to right ourselves in this ultimately shifting culture. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.